Welcome to the Story Church. Hey, I'm so glad that y'all are here today. I'm glad that everybody that comes on Sunday is here every Sunday, but, but today especially. Uh, today is a special day, and maybe you came here for the first time or you're relatively new to the story and you were hoping to check out a church like on a normal Sunday to see if it's a good fit. I just want to extend my apologies to you because um, today is going to be a little different than the normal Sunday. Um, and I'll get to that in, in just a minute. But first, I just want to say a word of welcome. My name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor here. Just a moment, I'm going to be uh, teaching us through today's uh, message, which is going to be slightly different. You do have study guides, as always. Those are abbreviated as well, because today's message is centered around um, this big announcement that we have been hinting around at for several weeks and uh, leaving most of you in suspense, unless you've made it to one of our town hall meetings, uh, you've just sort of been left hanging. And today is finally the day that we get to share what exactly God has been up to and what it means for the story going forward. So in just a moment, we'll, we'll do that. But I want to say hi to our people uh, who are joining us online, wherever you are in the world, and you're um, tuning in on Facebook, YouTube, or the Story.Church we're really glad that you're a part of the story today, and we hope y'all are excited, as excited about we're about to be in this room uh, given this announcement, which is easily the most important and consequential announcement we've ever made at the story, which is not, I mean, it's not nothing, because we made a lot of announcements over our seven and a half years. <laughs> a lot of things have happened, and some of y'all know very well what we've been through. Some of you prayed us as a church, you prayed us through the season of struggle we went through. You supported us through the, the season of doubt and uncertainty. You've been there every step of the way, and today is a culmination of that journey that God has had us on. It hasn't always been easy. It has often been grueling and painful, but today we celebrate and rejoice. So without leaving anyone in suspense any longer, we are prepared now to share this news with the whole church. And instead of just uh, me uh, just riffing and, and sharing as much as I can remember off the cuff. I, I thought we should shoot a video that got every detail just right. Um, and in this video, which is four minutes long that we shot maybe a week and a half ago, uh, I'm wearing the exact same clothes that I'm wearing today, <laughs> which <laughs> I do own another shirt and jacket, but I really like this one apparently. So don't be confused. You're like, wait, he's here and he's online. It's just a very different... No, it's, uh, this was a, a video we pre-shot, but I cannot wait to get everybody on the same page today and share this news um, with all of you. So let's get right to it. Here's the video about the story's big announcement. Story Church family, I have some incredible news to share with you today. If you've been a part of the story for a while, you know how much adversity and uncertainty we've overcome together. In 2021, we left the Methodist Church and relocated temporarily to the Museum District. It has been a battle, but by the grace of God, our church has emerged from the struggle stronger than ever. With our lease set to expire in 2023, we've been praying and searching since May for a more permanent home for our church. And thanks to what I can only describe as a miracle, God has come through yet again. I am so excited to report that we have found a true home for the story. In early August, we were informed that a local congregation had voted to close their church and sell their property. 
Now, we were already familiar with this particular church and its leaders because last year when we were desperately searching for a temporary home, the story tried to lease part of the same property that we're now in the process of purchasing. It's called Bethany Christian Church at 3223 Westheimer Road in River Oaks, just three-fourths of a mile east of our original location. So in many ways, it already feels like home. Now, because our two churches had already established a relationship and a good amount of trust, we've been able to speak candidly about the priorities and values that both our congregations hold dear. One reason the story has been able to compete for a high-end property like this one is because Bethany members chose not to entertain the huge offers that were coming in from real estate developers. To their great credit, even though it meant selling at an extraordinary discount, Bethany's first priority was to sell this property to another congregation so that just as Christians have gathered at 3223 Westheimer for the past 75 years, disciples of Jesus Christ will be made here for generations to come. Right now I'm standing in what will soon be the story's new sanctuary. It's an immaculate space that seats over 600 people and it's just part of what makes this place such a perfect fit for our church. All told, this property includes nearly three and a half acres of land, a massive parking lot, and over 50,000 square feet of indoor space for ministry, including a, a courtyard and playground outside. One aspect of this deal that I'm most excited about is the fact that the story will be incorporating the Bethany Christian School, a historic and highly respected preschool located right here inside the building. Just imagine the difference that we can make in the lives of children and their families once the story in Bethany Christian School join forces. And that's just one of the many reasons that we have to be excited about what God will do with a church like ours in a place like this. As more established churches and denominations continue to decline in number, in influence, and in fidelity to the Bible, it is vital that churches like the story seize every opportunity to advance God's kingdom. I believe this is our opportunity. This is our moment, and it won't be easy. We still have a long, long way to go. But if you love the Story Church, we need your help making this dream a reality by prayerfully considering to what extent God is calling you to financially support this campaign. For more information about the Story's effort to purchase the Bethany Church property, or to learn more about how you can help, please visit thestory.church/vision. For seven and a half years now, God has blessed the Story Church to be a blessing. I believe he has blessed us for such a time as this. Thank you so much for all of your love and for your generous support of the Story Church. I can't wait for the day that we will all be together in our church's new home. All right. Praise God. Okay, all the glory is God's. Um, when something truly extraordinary or borderline crazy happens um, to a church like us, to people like us, at a time like this, uh, you can almost be sure that it was all God's idea, that only he could pull something like this off. And so I'm so grateful 
to all of you. I'm so grateful to God. Grateful to y'all joining us online. Also, our Timber Grove campus that is just tuned in. Grateful for you. Don't worry. This doesn't mean anything for y'all. Y'all still have your home in Timber Grove, but this will be our new uh, main campus. Um, and, uh, and the timeline on that um, will most likely be by the middle of uh, next year. We will actually close on everything. It takes a while, as you know, um, many of you. And then by this time next year, we'll be getting ready to move. So it's nothing that's happening like next Sunday. Don't show up at Bethany Church next Sunday. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's going to take some time. And we still have a long, long way to go, as I'll be explaining, uh, really through this whole series that we're starting today called For Such a Time as This. But man, I'm just so excited about the possibilities and the taking everything that we've learned, every lesson that we've learned, the the, the hard way in many cases, like all the limitations we've had in the past and just being unleashed in a building, a property like this in the heart of Houston and, and our, the neighborhood we called home for seven years with a prestigious like preschool attached to it and we'll incorporate Bethany School uh, as, as part of the story and just imagine the possibilities. No more thinking in temporary terms, like where will we go next? Where will we be a year from now? Who knows? We can make solid plans that have generational impact and, uh, and leave a legacy behind that's going to outlive us all and, and uh, all for Jesus' glory. So for such a time as this is uh, our sermon series, and this is one of the passages that has been on my heart lately. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Story Church. Can you believe what God has done? Especially those of you that have been around a while, like since 2015 when we had our first service. Everything God's taken us through, every high and every low. Can you believe <laughs> this news? Now, if it comes as a shock to you, believe me when I tell you that you are not alone. If this hits you as a, as a surprise this morning, believe me, until very recently, I was also ex extremely surprised and incredulous about this kind of a deal. How in the world is this possible? How can a church like the story with our you know, track record of just 10 months, really, nine and a half months of official existence since we were just incorporated in January, how can a church with our limited financial history and all of those limitations, how can we pull a deal like this for some of the most coveted Dirt even, not just the buildings, the dirt itself, it seems like more than we could swing. How is this even possible? How are we about to walk into a space that seats 620 people that has 
240 parking spaces right there on the property, you guys. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, that's about 240 more than we have on this property. It's a game changer right there. Speaking of game changers, how many of you men saw that full court basketball court we've got coming, all right? So get ready, man. We're going to get in shape, all right? <laughs> Women too. Like, no, we're, not, we're not here to exclude anyone. But, hey, until very recently, I want you to know I, I would not have seen this coming. And I want to talk a little bit about why, just to jog some of your memories, or maybe you'll hear this for the first time. But less than a year ago, less than one year ago today, we were feeling desperate and lost. I was feeling lost as your leader. And when the leader is lost, you're in trouble. And I was feeling very lost a year ago um, today. We were desperately searching for any place for our church to go. We didn't have anything ironed out. We didn't have a plan. The closest thing to a plan that we had was the possibility of renting this other church's gym. And we had been in talks for a while about renting this other church's gym when that other church was Bethany Christian. And we, we just were asking to, to rent their gym. We were having such an, a problem finding places, especially retail places, that would rent to us in or around River Oaks. They apparently can make more money with Lululemon and stuff like that, apparently. Who knew? So they would rather rent to them than us. Okay, it's fair enough. But where is a church like ours supposed to go once it's been you know, evicted or whatever happened to us last year. Beggars can't be choosers, they say. You've heard that? And we were definitely in the beggar category at this point in time last year. So last October, October 2021, I was getting up at 5 a.m. most mornings to desperately scratch out and write emails begging people to consider renting us a space. That plan A was still there, but I had sensed a bit of hesitation in October of 2021 from the leaders at Bethany that maybe they weren't ready to take on that sort of a relationship with us. And so I wrote an email that I, I looked up this week just to be just to remember on October 18th of 2021, I wrote an email to Bethany's leaders saying, hey, you guys, we don't even need a full-time rental, to be honest. Just having the gym on Sundays would be enough to help the story avoid a disastrous period of homelessness. Unquote. <laughs> That's how desperate things got. And over the next few days, I fired off dozens more emails to our um, real estate broker at the time. He was just helping us out of the goodness of his heart. Bruce Wallace, great guy. And uh, he was helping us find, uh, you know, other prospects or, for spaces to, to, to go to. And I was emailing him just saying, what about this property? What about this property? What about and this is how desperate it got. Just to give you an idea of how dire the situation became, I sent him an email, this following message you're going to see on the screen, on October 21st at 5.37 a.m. All right? This is my frame of mind. I said, and I quote, hey, Bruce, would you mind looking into the retail space at 3800 Farnham? It's where the Spirit Halloween store <laughs> pops up every year. We'd like a short-term lease if possible. So let me know your thoughts. That's where we were less than a year ago today. All right, so 
Uh, that, if you're not placing it, that's the strip mall in Montrose, where the only tenants in the whole mall have ever been, as far as I've been in Houston, Tuesday morning, which just closed, the thrift store thing that just closed, and then Spirit Halloween from September 15th to October 31st every year. That was going to be our home, in my mind. <laughs> and that is how desperate we got. I was thinking of kitschy ways of introducing it to y'all, like everybody gets a free costume. I don't know. Some way make it work. Then on Halloween, Halloween Day, October 31st of 2021, our fears about Bethany's hesitations were confirmed when the pastor who we love, Pastor Don, who all of y'all will meet soon, uh, called to say that they had decided they weren't ready to be a landlord to a church our size. They didn't know if they could do it. And it was immediately, instantly, the scariest Halloween of my life. It was a massive shock, not just on a practical level, because where's the story going to go? It was, a, it was a shock on a spiritual level, too, because over the past, you know, two or three months before that, Gio and I and other leaders at the story, prayer warriors around us, had all heard something from God about Bethany being the place for us to go. Like, we had all heard clearly. I, I think I've heard the voice of God three times, really, in my life, the actual voice of God, three times. And this was one of them. Praying around Bethany. We used to do prayer walks around Bethany early in the morning because we just knew this is where God was going to have us, even if it's just for at least for a time, a place to go. We were so afraid and so desperate. And then it was gone. And I don't know if you've been through a crisis like that. I imagine you have, if you really think about it. Something you just knew God had for you, something God even might have told you that he had for you. And then it was pulled out from under you for a time or, or as far as you knew, forever. Like the kind of spiritual crisis that can put you through. Like Gio and I went into this deep valley that we, you know, when you're pastors, you can't really tell your church, like, you know, I don't even know what's true anymore. It's like, <laughs> you can't get up here and say that, and it'll freak everybody out. And so we went through this deep desert time where we stopped playing the worship songs we always played in the morning. Gio stopped getting up early to pray for her family like she always had. She, instead, we just laid in bed exhausted and de depressed and in despair. It was a really dark time for us, even though we, we sort of lived through it uh, in private, in secret. We were 60 days out on Halloween, 60 days out from our eviction date of December 31st. We were staring down the barrel, and the story had nowhere to go. And y'all know what happened. By some miracle, and by the grace of God and uh, real estate developer Larry Levine, who owns this property, <laughs> um, <laughs> we found this place in the museum district, and uh, we didn't sign the contract until December 2nd of last year. Uh, it was when we got the keys. So with December 31st being the deadline, we inherited this building on December the 2nd, and we had a ton of work to do in this building. And so Christmas was lost at that point. We, were just, we ended up um, spending, uh, you know, the whole month plus in this building getting it ready. And after that, on January 23rd, we launched officially um, in this building. Grand opening, January 23rd. And it has been an awesome run here. It is, I've really enjoyed our time here. And look, Larry Levine, if you're listening right now, <laughs> um, I know you didn't want to sell this thing to us. But man, if you want to keep leasing this thing to us on these same generous terms that we've got, I wouldn't mind having uh, continuing uh, Museum District campus. If that be God's will, who knows? I know some of you have fallen in love with this. Some of you didn't find the story until we moved to this place. And so for you, it feels like grief to leave. And I understand that. It feels like grief to me on some level too. And who knows what God can do, okay? Now, <clears throat> because we knew right away this is just a two-year lease, 
We didn't want to end up in the same position where we were pushing it with a deadline. We wanted to get ahead of it. We formed the, the search committee for our new uh, main campus in May of this year and immediately tackled the question, like, do we want to buy something or do we want to rent? And the big question is, can a church that's five months old officially even buy something if you found something that you wanted, you know? Um, we decided we would like to try. If there's something out there that we could swing, we'd like to try because renting is for the birds. And when you rent as a church, you pay property taxes. When you buy, you do not. <laughs> That's a factor. All sorts of reasons. But mainly, it's to have a foundation that is stable and steady so we can focus on our mission for the long term. Imagine that. Story Church, it's been two and a half years since we focused entirely on our mission without some crisis in our laps. So imagine what could happen if we had a stable foundation to grow from. So after reaching out to, the, to Mr. Levine, who owns this property, he said he wasn't interested in selling. What happened next is as the search continued on Sunday, July 24th of this year, I got an email from a, a real estate developer, a retail, like high-rise uh, luxury retail developer, who happens to be a, a member here at this church, emailed me Sunday after worship and he said, hey, there's something that happened I got to tell you about. I was taken to lunch by some uh, brokers representing this church that hasn't hit the market yet, but that's about to. And they were telling me how this would be the perfect location in the heart of River Oaks for a new luxury high-rise retail and residential combo. And they think I should buy it and develop it. And I told them, I told them, he said, no, it wouldn't make the perfect spot for another high-rise, but it would make the perfect spot for my church. With all credit to this guy who loves Jesus more than money in his own pocket, I think, and loves the church um, more than the high-rises that he builds. He put the story's name in the hat, and a week later, we were sitting down with leaders uh, from Bethany and their brokers to begin the negotiations. And immediately, to me, it felt, <laughs> I'm a little pessimistic sometimes, but it felt un untenable, undoable, because I knew immediately that we wouldn't be the only church interested. Even if they were able to spurn the bigger offers, turn away from the bigger offers from developers, they were being offered 35 plus million dollars, you know, unofficially from developers. Even if they could say no to that, there were other churches that would be in the mix, and there were. Biggest church in America, Lakewood, took a look. Second biggest church in America, Second Baptist, took a look. Every major church in River Oaks, I'm told, took a look to some degree or another, and when it all shook out, there were just two churches left standing. In one corner, <laughs> you ever seen the movie Rocky? In one corner, we had the little guy. We had the Story Church in one corner, uh, established in 2022, with a net worth just under $2 million dollars not including the liabilities, which probably means we're in the red. Uh, <laughs> the leases and stuff. Anyway, in the other corner, St. John the Divine uh, is established in 1940 uh, with a net worth second only to God Almighty. Uh, <laughs> now, listen, I love the people at St. John the Divine. I love the people at every church in that neighborhood. And I'm looking forward to being good neighbors um, when we get there. But uh, at that point in time, I just thought there's no way. But then on September 6th, my birthday, we got a call that Bethany had considered both churches' offers and voted unanimously, their board at least, voted unanimously 
to choose the story's offer as the one that would go before the whole church for a vote. And by the end of last month, Bethany's congregation had voted with 92% of their whole membership voting to accept the story's wow. offer. So. So here we are. We have a binding letter of intent. We have a final contract that's in the work. It's being written up, and we expect it to be signed, sealed, and delivered on the last day of October, which is, remind me what day that is? <laughs> Halloween. That's right. That's right. Full circle. Okay, here we are. Tell me, friends, tell me. God doesn't have a sense of humor. Tell me the last Halloween when I was trembling in fear God didn't already know that this Halloween will be dancing for joy. Tell me he didn't know that. Tell me that last year when I cried out to God, literally, many times, more than I care to even admit, because I just knew that I had heard from him about Bethany, and then Bethany was off the table. Tell me God wasn't up in heaven going, yeah, I said it, and yeah, I meant it. I always mean what I say, but... You dummy, I didn't want to give you a Sunday's only rental for a gym. If you'll just hold on a second, if you'll just be patient, just wait, I'm, I'm going to show you how you can have the whole thing, the whole thing for the story, the whole thing for your church, the whole thing for my glory, you know, it's that, that, kind of, that kind of thing. That's how God works. It's so important to remember for everything there is a season. <clears throat> A time to cry and a time to dance. A time to rent and a time to buy. A time to retreat and a time to advance. And I believe God has called us into a season to advance, to advance his cause, to advance his church, to advance on a city and a particular, a part of the city that is slowly but surely being taken over entirely by secular interests to advance the kingdom of God in an age where the churches are in decline, to advance and stake a claim so that generations from now, young people will be brought up around a church that is unashamed of the gospel and preaches the whole Bible and welcomes questions and doubts, all those things that we treasure here at the story, and we always will. I want you to think with me for a moment about Noah from the Bible. Noah from Genesis and the flood and the rainbow and the ark. Y'all know Noah, right? Genesis 6 through 9 tells his story. When we think about Noah, we should think about one righteous man standing alone in a world full of violence and depravity and uh, sexual perversion and, and all kinds of, uh, of evil including, according to one part of the Bible, including demonic possession and influence. It was a dark world that Noah inhabited. And I think about the world that Noah lived in as if, like the closest thing I can think of is if Twitter came to life. Like if Twitter in real life can only, uh, you know, partially describe the darkness of the world around Noah. It could not have been easy for him to be righteous. What does it mean that he was righteous? It means that though the world was walking their own way, Noah walked with God. Even if it cost him his reputation, even if it 
cost him something like, uh, you know, not being accepted or not being popular or maybe even being hated and despised because there's something about some people, not all, some people who do not walk with God naturally despise those who do. And I've got to think that it was a hostile world for Noah to be raising his family the way that he was. Noah was the only one righteous and blameless. I can only imagine the consequences that he faced for standing strong in the face of all these odds and obstacles. Now, as if Noah's life wasn't already hard enough, in Genesis 6, one day, Noah heard from God. What did God come and say? Good job, Noah, you're doing good. Here's a pat on the back, just keep going. Take it easy for a while. Noah said, Noah, I've got to do something about the darkness and evil and violence in this world. I'm going to sort of hit a a reset button. I'm going to sort of start over, and I'm going to need you, Noah, to build a boat. And Noah, who for all we know, was born and raised and probably lived his whole life, in a village about 100 miles from any significant body of water, probably replied with, what's the boat? (laughs) Like, that's that's probably what he was thinking if if he didn't have the courage to say it. Like, what exactly is this boat thing you're telling me, and, and how do you build one? Well, God continued, the boat needs to be 150 yards long and four stories high, and it needs to have several different compartments and rooms inside on every level. And Noah said, what are them rooms for? I don't understand. I have a small family. I don't get why we need all the rooms. And he said, God said, that's where the animals go. (laughs) And Noah's thinking, so I'm building a boat for animals, a giant animal boat. That's what you're going to ask me to do. God, I I have a job. I have things to do. Thank you for this, but I'm not so sure. And God said, just listen. I need you to build the whole thing out of gopher wood. Whatever that is, they didn't have Lowe's or Home Depot or the lumber yards back then. He's going to have to cut it himself. It's going to take you several decades to finish it, God said. And so you should go ahead and get started. And Noah said, so let me get this straight. (laughs) You want me to build a boat, a giant boat, a giant gopher wood, animal boat. And where am I going to put this thing? And God said, in the backyard, obviously. You're going to just put it in the backyard. And Noah's like, on the dry land. And God's like, yes, that's exactly. So this is how I imagine the conversation playing out. I'm, I'm, you might not find this in the pages of your Bibles, okay? But this is how, if I were Noah, this is how I imagine this playing out. You want me to build a giant gopher wood multi-layered, 150 yards long, gopher wood animal boat on dry land. Okie dokie. Can you imagine? So, how did Noah respond? Well, Hebrews 11 says that uh, Noah was a man of faith. He's in the hall of fame uh, for his faith in, in Hebrews 11. It says in verse 7, by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. Faith is acting on things you haven't seen yet. And Noah rose to this occasion and acted in such a dramatic fashion to fulfill this absurd calling that God placed upon him. Why? Because he believed God so much that he was willing to put everything on the line to do what God had said. And uh, what did he do? Genesis 6, 22 says, 
even as everybody was laughing and poking fun at him for building a boat on dry ground, it says in verse 22, Noah did everything just as God had commanded him. Everything. Why are we talking about Noah on big announcement day? Well, there's something absurd about this whole deal, isn't there? About a church like us taking a swing like this? I mean, uh, you've known all about all our limitations. You might not know that, um, although I mentioned this deep discount that we're getting this property for, you should also know that the final uh, price that we negotiated was $23 million. I know, catch your breath for a second. $23 million. And we're adding another two to our goal for fundraising to have a little cushion for any kind of expenses we might have to get the building ready after we close. Um, what are we doing here? Well, ever since May 4th of last year, when I had a fateful meeting with my uh, the, uh, leaders of the church we used to belong to and, and, uh, and everything changed that day, I've had a lot of talks with God, as you might imagine. A lot of really heated and uncomfortable and sad, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> difficult conversations with God about my ministry, about our church, about my family, about what the future holds. And, and, and I've wondered what God wants with this church. Like everything just seems so difficult. Is all of this difficulty a sign that maybe, maybe we just need to dial it back and just chill, like not be so ambitious or forward thinking? Maybe God just wants us to settle and so I took all of that to God, and actually he gave me a lot of clarity over the last uh, year, year and a half, about what this church is called to be. And he's made it clear to me and others in leadership at the story that we will not be a church. We will never, by the grace of God, be a church that centers around any one pastor's performance or personality. We will not become that church. And we have geared our ministries and our leadership in that direction to get away from that as much as possible. No one here uh, is uh, alone in the spotlight. But the story will be a church that revolves entirely around Jesus and is unashamed and unabashed about our love for Jesus and how we know Jesus to be the truth and how we love his word and we preach his gospel. This will always be a church where we share the truth of God. This will always be a church where questions and doubts are welcome, where comfort zones are challenged. This will be a church where disciples of Jesus Christ are made, not just fans of his, but followers. And as we've discussed at length in sermons over the past year, if you've been listening, there's been a thread, a common thread throughout, which is the key difference between a fan and a follower is obedience. Obedience has been the catchword of the story's life for the last year and a half at least. It's been all I've talked about with the board of the story. It's been all I've talked about with the staff and with our leaders and the men that we're discipling on Tuesday mornings. Obedience, it's not just belief in God, but obeying. Noah didn't just believe what God told him about that absurd boat. He built it. He did it. Even though nothing about that boat made sense, it was absolutely absurd. And why did he do it? The Bible tells us he did it to save his family so that others might be saved, so that lives could be saved and redeemed from the flood. Okay. <clears throat> That's what Noah did. And I believe that now is our time to do the same.
not to build a boat, don't worry, but to do what God says without fear, without worry, and without, you know, settling, and without, you know, succumbing to any anxieties. This is our time to obey and submit and surrender and invest, invest in God's kingdom. How long have we sat back and watched the church diminish and die across the country, across the world, in many parts of the world? How long are we going to sit back in a posture of retreat instead of taking a claim, even if it's a claim to some of the most precious and expensive dirt in the city of Houston, to chart out a piece of territory for the kingdom of God in the midst of a dark world. This is our time. So how will we raise this money? How will we do it? It's not can we do it, but how? Where does a church like ours with 10 months of experience in history get $25 million from? I'll put it simply first, and then I'll make it more complicated. Simply by walking with God, by trusting him and believing him. Look, it does sound absurd. It sounds almost as absurd and crazy as building a boat on dry land sounded. And I'll tell you another reason why um, I say that. It's because we've been sitting down with banks, and one bank that we sat down with recently said, so we looked at your, we looked at your documents, and they were being very nice about it. That's the polite voice. And you should know that there is a science to capital campaigns. And typically what we see <laughs> is churches and nonprofits uh, can expect to raise um, one and a half to two times their annual revenues with a special capital campaign. And your annual revenues are, let's see, uh, about $2 million or so. dollars. So you should expect with your capital campaign, you could raise somewhere between, you know, uh, two and a half, maybe three, maybe a little, maybe three and a half million, which means you have no business buying this property, which is what they were really thinking. They didn't say that part, but that's what they were really thinking. And, uh, you know, probably put a little doubt in my mind for just a second. But then I remembered who God is and how crazy he can be or he can seem to the world, how outlandish and reckless his love sometimes seems to a world in darkness. And so we're full steam ahead. And as we start this campaign today, uh, you're going to be getting uh, more information via mail and email this week. We're seeking five-year commitments that are over and above regular giving, which adds to the challenge, I know. But we're just not interested in carrying any long-term debt. We're not interested in being Laodicea, neither hot nor cold, just lukewarm about this thing. We're going in, and we're going in hot, all right? And the best news is that as we kick off this $25 million campaign today, this is day one. Commitment cards aren't due until October 30th, the day before we sign the contract. As we kick this campaign off today, we're already ahead of the game. 17 leaders and their families have gotten a head start and submitted their pledges early. And as of today, October 9th, we're almost 40% of the way to our goal. So, $10 million in pledges have been received. Now, in addition to this campaign, Timber Grove, I hope you're still listening over there, you all are doing a campaign of your own. And some of you may be inspired to jump on board with this capital campaign, but I'm going to encourage you to let your first battle be 
Uh, Timber Grove's local campaign to continue to, to uh, seek solvency. You're still growing. This is your second year, so you're growing toward paying your own way. Just uh, listen to Pastor Kale and give your money to him first before you give it to me, okay? So <laughs> that's the deal for you guys. Um, but we're praying for y'all as you take strides forward this year as well. Y'all, day one of our campaign, m- most of you just found out about this, and we're already uh, coming up on $10 million in pledges received with 17 pledges. I would expect there's about 150 or so more pledges that will come in. And I believe we're going to get there. This is going to happen, and it's going to happen without carrying any long-term debt. That's crazy. And that's just who God is. Now, tell me this. Tell me that less than a year ago, when we were begging for permission to worship in some rundown spirit Halloween store, tell me God didn't already have something better in store for us. Tell me that a year ago this week, when it seemed like the story could conceivably be coming to an end, that God didn't already have this next chapter written. Part of growing in faith is learning to trust him when all seems lost, when it feels hopeless, when the dark is closing in and there feels like there's no way forward, God always makes a way for those he loves. When you hold on, when you're just a little patient, when you wait just a second, you'll see that the promises he's made always come to pass. Now, whatever God has planned for us, Whatever's next, wherever he takes us, and however many other campuses he inspires us to plant, we're going to keep doing that work that we set out to do before. I pray that the Story Church won't be known for our buildings or our address or our neighborhood or how nice we are or how nice our property is or what it's worth. I pray that we'll never be known for any of that. We will be known simply and solely for our obedience to God. We are a church that is obedient and humble, even when it hurts and when it doesn't make sense. And I pray that we are known for trusting him and obeying and never being ashamed of him or his word. Story Church, I'm so excited. Are you all excited? Can you believe what God has done here? This is just next level beyond anything I ever imagined. Keep your eyes and ears open for more information to come over the next couple of weeks. But for now, let's just pray together. Lord, what have you done and how? (laughs) How and why us? We're not worthy of this. Lord, none none of us deserves to be treated so well. Um, But you've put this opportunity in front of us and it's an opportunity that has such potential to reach so many people, to influence and turn around so many lives for so many years to come. Lord, to stake a claim for your kingdom in the middle of a community like this. Lord, we just are so grateful just for this opportunity. Lord, And I thank you for each person here who's going to be praying and mulling over uh, their commitment to this campaign. I pray for courage and Lord, I pray for grace to just wash over us. Lord, show us your will for our families, for us as individuals, and most of all, for our church. And Lord, once you show us, give us the courage to walk faithfully, not just to believe you or to believe in you, but to do what you've called us to do. 
Lord, there's no better way to spend our lives here. We thank you for this opportunity, and we pray in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.